Hello, this is Titi and welcome to the Travel Girl Boss Podcast, a podcast where my guests and I get real about the challenges and beauty of being ambitious while still wanting to use up those vacation days to travel, go on adventures and just live our lives. In this episode of the podcast, I chat to Fari Rai of GoFari, the writer and founder of the travel blog and group travel booking service of the same name about solo travel, the beauty of being fully present in the experiences you have when traveling alone, and how your nine to five can enable the things you're really passionate about. So I'm going to jump straight in. (laughs) I seem to say that a lot at the beginning of all my podcast interviews, but I'm going to jump straight in. And I just want to know, uh, Fari, how did you go from being a chemical engineer to running your travel platform, GoFari? I think a lot of people also want to know that. So for me, like you were saying, I started out in chemical engineering. That's what I studied at UCT. And then from that, I fortunately had a job in Secunda, which is a small industrial town in Pumalaga. And so for me, that was very much different to anything I'd been used to. Having been raised in Johannesburg and then studying in Cape Town, I was very much a city girl. So I was very much accustomed to the fast life and like just having everything around me and just, yeah, the fam- I was very familiar with just being in a city. And so now I was in a small town and I was starting my career as a chemical engineer And I felt very much overwhelmed by that. And I always said to myself that, okay, if I'm going to get through this, I need to have a hobby, something that I'm doing that's bringing me joy outside of my work, which I found quite challenging. Yeah. And so I tried a few things. I've tried jewelry making. I tried making a blog about career guidance. And then eventually I ended up with travel blogging and I started GoFari.com. And it was all actually, a lot of it was inspired by a trip that I took deeper into Mpumalanga one weekend because I was so used to on my weekends just driving back to Joburg. But instead, on one particular weekend, I decided, let me go deeper into into Mpumalanga and see what I can find. And that's when I explored the panorama route for the first time. And I had seen an image of Blader River Canyon on Instagram before. And I knew that was a place I definitely wanted to see during the trip. And I remember being very close to the time that it was closing, but I got there just in time and I ran to the viewpoint. And finally, I got there and Blader River Canyon was in front of me at sunset. And it was the most incredible uh, view in nature I'd ever seen. And I was completely humbled and blown away by just being there. And I remember thinking in that moment that there must be so much more that I'm missing out on because I was so focused on sticking with what I was familiar with and just driving back to Joburg, missing Joburg, missing Cape Town. And yet here, right close by to me, because I was now placed in Pumalanga, I actually had so much beauty surrounding me. And I thought, imagine how many other people don't know about this. So I started sharing about it on social media and I started my blog, GoFari.com. And I would do these trips on the weekends and that's just what, what brought me joy. And yeah, and I suppose with time, I I grew a following and I started getting work. I started getting interviews through GoFari and it was not the plan at all. My plan was I'm a chemical engineer who's got a hobby, right? And I realized that, hey, I actually really enjoy doing this. And if I take it a little bit more seriously, I could make something of it. And yeah, and that's what I did. I, I studied digital marketing to just improve my skills and in, in terms of being more strategic on social media. I started a group travel business for women 
where females who are traveling solo can find their people through the group trips that I organize. And we went to Mauritius, we went to Zanzibar. And yeah, I've just, and I've continued to just grow the platform and kind of pivoted from being uh, more generally about South African travel to being more specifically for solo travelers, female solo travelers in South Africa, because that's what I am. Yeah. So that's been my journey to where I am at the moment. So I just want to just stop for a moment there and just speak a little bit about the concept of moving to another city or town for work and just maybe talk a little bit more about what are some of the things besides coming up with holidays and different ways to fill your your weekends with hobbies that you did to adjust to moving to another city or town because of work? I think something that really helped was that I wasn't the only young professional who had that story. There was people coming from all different parts of the country relocating to that town for work. And so we connected as a community and we would try to entertain each other by hosting each other at games nights, for example, and just learning about different people's backgrounds and realizing that you can, there's much to be learned from being somewhere different. So I think the thing that I realized was that I was so stuck in thinking that everything I needed and everything that was relevant was in the major cities, when in fact that wasn't the case. There's people who've grown up and um, lived in Pumalanga and Secunda their whole lives. And um, there's life there as well. So you don't have to, it's not something to escape. It's something to just be present in and experience. And I think once I, I realized that, I started spending more time there and I started exploring it more. I started getting to know people who are actually from, and yeah, I realized that I, I actually can live in a small town. And it started to feel, it started to feel like my new normal after some time. And I think also, had I not been there, I think I might not have sparked this curiosity of using my weekends to explore places that you seldom hear about. Because I think sometimes there's this misconception that the places that we see that are popular, that we see online and advertised quite a lot, which is like the Cape Towns, the Durbans, Joburg, ETC, we think that everything, it's off, it's often that people think that everything that you need or the best places are there. And I think being in Secunda, and opened up my mind to knowing that, hey, you actually need to put in a little bit more effort to discover other places that you maybe don't hear about. And those places can often be even better than the ones that you do hear about. And so that sparked that curiosity. And that's what kind of set me off on my journey of like, I want to go to everywhere. I want to go to Eastern Cape and see what's there. I want to go to Limpopo. I want to go to places where people say nothing's going on and see for myself. So yeah, I'd say that's what helped me through being in a new place. Yeah, just adjusting and realizing that what can I get from this experience? I can't be doomed. There must be something positive that I can get from being here. You know, as you were talking, I was actually thinking that whole concept of, look, we're here. We have to be present in the moment. You know, I'm on. I'm in this place. I need to enjoy it is really something that I'm curious if it's, you, it's something that you apply to your life in general. Because if you go on a solo trip, you you can't just sit around in the hotel room all day and, and do nothing. You kind of have to push yourself to be present and to mentally go, okay, I'm going to make myself enjoy this trip. I'm going to make myself experience this place that I'm in. So I'm wondering if it is something that consciously in your adventures as a solo traveler, it's something that you apply. Yeah, it's really a good point. I think 
that experience did teach me to be with myself and to spend time with myself and be like comfortable where I don't have a close friend down the road or family members down the road. I kind of just need to be present and see, enjoy my own company and get to know myself. But the other thing that comes to mind when you were speaking is the fact that it's another misconception that people think that when you are traveling solo, you're always by yourself. And it's not the case and doesn't have to be the case because like you're saying, when you end up in whatever destination you're in, you're not the only one there. There's other people who are also there experiencing that place. In in the example of me moving to Secunda, I was not the only young professional going through this adjustment. There were other people like other people there like me. And it presented for me the opportunity for me to now socialize and meet new people. And the same thing in solo travel. When if I head out to Cape Town alone, it doesn't mean that every single time throughout the trip I am isolated and I'm by myself. It's actually the opposite. It actually encourages me to say hi to somebody, to say hi to a stranger. It's, it encourages me to spark conversation. It, it encourages me to seek group tours or to hang out at a hostel, for example, and meet other people. And yeah, I think when people are aware of that, of knowing that, hey, you actually don't have to be alone, it can actually change their perspective on considering so, um, solo travel as a thing that could work for them if they are a person who loves to interact with other people. There's something you've said that, that really touched me because I, I think that I'm good at spending time alone, but every single time I think about solo travel, I get panicked about the concept of who am I going to laugh with? Who am I going to tell this joke with? Who's going to do this specific activity with me? And, you know, in your reply just now, you just kind of framed it as you can actually have all of that. You could have the comfort of learning how to be by yourself, you know, sitting at a dinner table, having a drink by yourself. And also that other aspect where because you are by yourself, you can be pushed out of your comfort zone to meet new people and introduce yourself to new people, for example. So yeah, my next question is, how do you go then from and perhaps I'm the one who's missing all of this, but how do you go from, okay, I'm a chemical engineer on the weekends, I'm doing this travel thing and I'm writing my travel blog to, you know what, this is now going to be a real thing. I'm going to study digital marketing and I'm going to make it a real thing that could be my career. Okay. So I started GoFar in 2017. And like I said, it was a hobby and I would use my salary to fund my travels. I would use my leave days to get time off to travel. I'd use my weekends and maximize that time. And then, yeah, my following was growing. I started getting requests, like brand partnerships and stuff like that to work with brands. And that was so exciting for me because genuinely, like I didn't start seeking that at all. And I think that once I started getting those deals, I realized that and also, I think it, was not, it wasn't just about the fact that I was getting deals. I think it was also about the fact that I realized how while doing, we can call it work, it didn't feel like work, but while doing work for GoFari, I felt so good in that space. Like I really enjoyed creating content, writing. I enjoyed like connecting with people um, online in a way it made me feel like I was finding my people, like so many people related to my story and we're going through these journeys together. And I think for me, I realized that I, it was something that I could be really good at. And so I decided that I would want, I wanted to learn more about this and I wanted to put more, more time into developing myself to be the best that I could be through GoFari. And that's when I realized that digital marketing could be a gap, but also something that I found interesting. 
And so that's when I, I decided to do a certification in digital marketing. And I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I really excelled in it. And I started then being more strategic about how can I actually grow my platform? How can I present myself better to brands, negotiate better rates for myself? How can I pitch better? And then also it made me think, how could I also apply a business model to GoFari that doesn't rely on brand deals? And I think that's when I came up with doing group travel for women because the content that I was putting out was already resonating with women. And yeah, I felt like it was something that would easily appeal to my audience. And so I started organizing group trips. The first one I did was to Mauritius. And it was epic. A lot of, uh, there were a few women who joined the trip who hadn't left the country before, which was so special. And I think also from that trip, like forming a, a sisterhood out of it. And it wasn't just about going to Mauritius and going to the attractions. It was about the bonds that we created as a group. I realized that was something that I really enjoyed and I wanted to continue doing. So then I started doing, I added Zanzibar and I was doing Mauritius and Zanzibar. And so there was a time, which I always look back on when I was working on, I had two group trips, which were sold out for Zanzibar and Mauritius. I had uh, my full-time job as an engineer, but then I also had the biggest brand deal still to this day that I've ever secured. And I was working on all three of those at the same time. And I also recall at that moment, just remembering how I felt in each of those spaces and um, just like how excited I was about GoFari. So all of the time and effort I put into developing myself to be better at GoFari was genuinely out of, I just loved it. Like I still do. I just genuinely just love doing that work. And that's what motivated me to be more professional in that space. And then I just also want to speak about the engineering side and how I, how, how I felt in that space. So I think that could be helpful. Because I get a lot of DMs of people misunderstanding my journey through engineering. Please go ahead, because um, I can see from your LinkedIn that you were in engineering for over five years. Uh, and clearly from what you've been telling me, it, you've been doing this travel stuff parallel to that. So I would love to hear this because I think it's sometimes something that people make an assumption about that when someone leaves their nine to five, that they are unhappy or they were feeling completely unfulfilled or they completely hated it or they regretted being in the nine to five space, especially when they move into something creative or into the content creator space. So I would definitely love to hear you speak a little bit more about this because we actually only know the travel side of your story. Yeah, definitely. So for me, one of the things that I hear often, like being spoken on behalf of my story is people saying things like, she quit her job to travel the world or like people DM me and say, hey, I really want to quit my job and I like, just travel. And it's such a dangerous narrative because I feel that my job is what enabled me to be able to even be here. Like I said, in the beginning, I was funding my travel through my engineering career and the fact that I was placed in, in Pumalanga was what kind of sparked this whole journey. So I'm so thankful. Like, I'm super thankful that I was in Secunda. I'm super thankful that I had a job coming straight out of varsity. And yeah, engineering was such a challenging career that taught me a lot. I worked with really smart people and I was pushed every day to just, it was, yeah, it was hectic. It was a difficult, challenging job and it really was a serious growth period for me. I think for me, giving up my engineering career was more to do with me trying to plan my life long term 
and not seeing like not seeing where I fit in terms of like where was I going if I continued to put in like all of my effort and heart into my engineering career. I actually wanted to pivot into another space. So the idea wasn't that I'm leaving engineering because I want to travel the world. It was that I'm leaving engineering because I don't feel like I don't feel like I want to put my energy into it because it's not something that I see myself doing in the future. It's not something that I'm excited about being in in the future, especially working in a, a manufacturing kind of space, which is what I was in. I was working in Petrochem as a plant support engineer and project and in project management. And I really wanted to be in a space that was, I don't know, I could say like maybe working in a tech company or doing something more modern, fast-paced, fast-paced in terms of like current, like things that are new, things that are fresh, things that are young. That's what excited me more. And I took a leap and said, I planned it. It wasn't a, it wasn't a random thing. I planned it over many months that I was going to exit. And I was going to, I fortunately had GoFari at the same time. That's, and I, that, so I could afford to do it. But the idea was never that I never want to work. I never want to, I don't know how to say this. I never want to be employed or I never want to work in a professional space. It wasn't that. It was that I didn't want to work in that space. And so that's what it was for me. But at the end of the day, like when people DM me and ask me about quitting their jobs and stuff to travel, I always say to them that you must rather, I, I believe, rather look at your job as something that you can use to fund something else that you enjoy doing at the same time. So rather look at it as something that enables you to pursue your passions. And if it does come to a point where you can pursue your passion 100% and let go of a career that you not don't enjoy, then that's fantastic. But I really do think that it takes, you have to be prepared, you have to plan, you have to be able to afford it. Yeah, it's not a spontaneous decision at all and it shouldn't be. And I don't want anyone to look at my journey and take that message out of it because that's not at all what's what I want to put out. Thank you so much for sharing that. I mean, I think it's such an important thing and perspective to share when you speak about these types of careers, because not everybody in these spaces started off with the intention of wanting to be a content creator and wanting to have sort of everything comped and paid for. I get so many people in my DMs asking me how I get paid to travel, how they can quit their jobs so they can get paid to travel. And look, whilst I've been lucky enough to have that opportunity, the majority of my trips have come from my own pocket and have happened whilst I was working full time or whilst I was running my own business. And I honestly started doing doing the thing, traveling and just sharing it because out of pure enjoyment, not because there was any sort of remuneration thing at the end of it. And I just did it for my own mental health. So I think it's really just important to share that perspective about the intent of how you start something as well. Uh, Obviously, if you started as a business, you know, you can always get different results. Then, yeah, I mean, speaking about it as a business, it, it is a business when you get onto these trips where either a brand has paid for you to be there or it's a trade exchange, you're actually working quite hard. I mean, you it's it's not all just sunsets and cocktails and poolside. There's there's a lot of early mornings, etc., to try and make sure that the reason why you've been invited there, the the person who's paid for it to happen is getting what they their their money's worth essentially. Absolutely. No one is going to say to you like, here's a trip or here's some money, go and enjoy yourself and not want anything back. That's the important thing to realize is when you're consuming travel that's been sponsored is that there's something that the brand or the hotel or lodge is asking 
for from that content creator. And it could be reach to their audience. It could be content that you are creating for them that they can use on their platform. You might be reselling their accommodation. But there's something that's, there's a deal. Do you know what I mean? And as a creator, well, yes, I won't lie. Like I, I can't lie and say that I'm not enjoying myself. I am enjoying myself on the trips I'm, I'm taking. I really do enjoy traveling South Africa. Like I love it. But at the same time, I'm always thinking about the things that I need to, the objective of the trip and I need to deliver and I need to also make a good impression. And I also need to make sure that I'm able to answer the questions my audience is going to ask me. And I also need to have a business mindset and make sure that this trip is benefiting me and my business as well. So a lot of things go into it before I even decide to do a partnership with the brand. Yeah, I think that also in the way that travel content is put out, like I don't blame people for thinking that it's like all rosy and just a whole lot of fun. Because I think we do make it look like that. <laughs> we make it look really just easy and fun. But yeah, like you said, th there's a lot that goes into it behind the scenes. And yes, it is fun, but there is also a lot of thinking and planning that goes behind it. So on the topic of planning and thinking, you mentioned it earlier that you kind of did plan your exit plan from your chemical engineering career. And I did ask you earlier about at what point did you say I'm going to be able to monetize this? I guess I want to just ask a more detailed question, which is around, was there a point where you were like, if I'm making this kind of money, then that is when I'm going to resign and do this full time? Because I was actually looking at your LinkedIn because that's literally my favorite social media platform and I shamelessly stalk people on LinkedIn. And I saw that you actually stopped working full-time in March of 2020, which was a very tricky and challenging time. Yeah, the timing was, I'll never forget it. Yeah, that's actually really funny. I'll never forget the timing because it was literally right in time for lockdown in South Africa to begin that I was, I left literally on the week where all of this stuff started was the week. I, I had my last day at work. So yeah, I'll never forget that moment. I had a lot of plans. <laughs> I can laugh about it now, but I had a lot of plans at the time in terms of, oh, now I can put out a whole lot of group trips. I don't have to be limited by how many leave days I have. I can do a group trip a month, ETC. I had so many plans on everything I wanted to do with GoFari and all of, I even, I had actually sold some spaces on group trips already and I had to refund all of those and I had to cancel all my plans and I had to rethink, okay, wait, what am I going to do now? Because <laughs> we can't travel. And yeah, that, that business is completely on hold. So I had a plan. I had projected because I knew all the trips I'd put out before had sold out. So I knew that it was something that I could do and generate income from. And yeah, so I had to rethink. And what I did do was I figured that I could use my additional marketing skills that I'd gotten from both the certification and also just from working from creating on GoFari and selling through GoFari. So that's what I did. I started freelancing as a digital marketer and social media manager for brands and hospitality, which was a lot of fun as well. I really enjoyed doing that work and it was an interesting challenge being on social media without being me and being the brand instead. So that was cool work. Yeah, that's basically what I did. I hustled in, in, in as a freelancer because travel was not possible. And it's only recently now become okay for us to put our group trips again. Oh, wow. That's really amazing. So did you just like put your CV together and cold call people or did you reach out to a community of people that you already knew to 
to get this work? Yeah, I had a network. So like I've been working with a lot of South African companies and hotels and I really like value the relationships that I build when I work with people. And so that was my starting point. My starting point was the people that I already knew and just putting it out there to say, hey, listen, I really would love to do work for you. I think that I could help you with your Instagram or with whatever, with your social media, with your websites. I did websites as well. And that was my starting point. And then, yes, I did also switch up my CV. And I also started using the time to grow my skills even further. So I started doing even more courses on website development, on UX, on... I did a, I did refresher uh, courses on digital marketing because the space is always changing. I did on newsletters. I just started just upskilling myself to just be like confident when I'm putting myself out there as well. Because you don't want to be a fraud and say you can do something when you can't. So I just started just practicing also the skills on myself through GoFari. So if I learned about good practice ways of posting, for example, or how to build an email list, and I got some tips on that, I would apply it on my page. And so then when I was able to get results for my page, I could use that to prove that I knew what I was talking about. So if I go to someone and I say, hey, I want to help you guys build your mail list, I'm able to say that I was able to grow mine from here to there within this amount of months using the skills that I've, I've gotten. Or now that I've gotten clients outside of GoFari, I'm able to use the results that I've gotten for them to get me my next job. So I think that it's a combination of learning, doing courses. It's also the fact that I think working as GoFari at the same time as being an engineer, I was able to learn how to negotiate and make good deals, work with people, build relationships, all of those things. And also just be confident. You have to be confident when you're pitching. Yeah. So all of those things came together to make this path make sense. I really love how you use the skills that you learned in your nine to five and have applied it to your business, uh, both your content creator side of your business, but then also the side of the business where you book travel for other people. But even this part of it, where you work as a digital marketer on the side as, as a freelancer, it's really amazing. And I think you prove one of the points that I sometimes drive when I'm advocating for at some point in your life work for someone in that I believe that's where you kind of learn things like work ethic you learn things like how to do things like you said put together a pitch deck show up confidently show up professionally in a specific way and you shouldn't discount those things because they come from a nine-to-five world okay so solo travel TT that's me she's a nervous solo traveler she doesn't really know why, but maybe it's because she watches too much Banged Up Abroad and she's scared something is going to happen to her. But also she's scared that she won't have anyone to talk to. What advice are you giving to her? So I would say firstly that it's totally normal to have concerns around it. And yeah, it's totally fine. It makes sense actually to be nervous about it because you're out there by yourself, like you, you wonder all of these scenarios that could happen, ETC. And I would say the best advice is just to be prepared. Unfortunately, now we have so much access to information online and we have access to people who are already traveling that we can learn from. And I, the advice that I like to give is to start with either going somewhere really close by or going somewhere you've already been to. And so that means, for example, if you have already gone to Cape Town before and you want to start solo traveling, and you're comfortable in Cape Town, like you you know what it's about, you know how to get around, which areas to hang out in, ETC. Then if you were to go on a solo trip there as your first solo trip, 
you wouldn't have to worry about a whole lot of things, right? You would not just be worried about that aspect of the fact you're doing it by yourself, but you don't have the worries of the destination. And I think that really helps as a first step. The alternative is if you don't want to go somewhere you've already been, is to go somewhere really close by. So if you're based in Johannesburg, for example, instead of going on your first solo trip to a whole other province, you could do something within Gauteng, like by going to Michalisburg, for example, for a night or two by yourself or parties. Just go somewhere nearby, something that's not so daunting in terms of you feeling like you're so far away from what you, what's familiar to you. That's a great first. Then the other thing is just to get clear on which things are really fears and things that you should really be concerned about and which things are actually misconceptions, right? Because you don't want to be held back by something that isn't actually true. And so that first thing was about, I think I mentioned it earlier, that point of thinking that you're always going to be by yourself. People always, like when I post a solo trip, video or photo, I always, with every single time, get people asking me, okay, yeah, sure, you're by yourself, then who took the photo or who's taking the video? Because people have this thought that when you're traveling by yourself, you are by yourself 100% of the time. And that's not true at all. It doesn't have to be true. It can be if you wanted to, but it doesn't have to be true. And so if that's something that holds you back, thinking that, oh no, I'm going to be by myself. I'm not going to have anyone to talk to. I'm not going to have someone to share this experience with or or laugh about it with. No one's going to be there to take my photos. I could talk about that also for a while, but that's a misconception that's not true. Like I said, a solo travel can be, and has been for me, a very social experience that's helped me to learn how to talk to strangers and make friends and connect with new people where if I'd gone with someone I know, with people I know, I'd be more likely to just stick with them and hang with them and talk to them. But when you're traveling solo, you've pushed out of that and you're more likely to just say hi or to may have a conversation last longer than it maybe would have if you were there with your friends. Yeah, that's one of them. Another misconception for me has been that sometimes people feel that you're only going by yourself because you don't have anyone to go with. And that's not true either. The way that can hold you back is that sometimes people feel like, oh no, I'm going to look like such a loser because I'm by myself or like that I've said this is a solo trip. I look like such a loser because I couldn't even get anyone to go with me. And that is not true. It's so, when you travel, you'll actually probably become aware that so many other people are also doing it. That's one thing. Another thing is once you solo travel, Maybe the beginning, right? You might be motivated by the fact that um, you might be motivated to do a solo trip because you can't get your friends aligned or your schedules aligned and you're just fed up and you decide to go by yourself. That might be the reason. But you might find, and I've a lot of other solo travelers who I'm connected with through GoFari have said that they resonate with this thought as well. That might be what starts you solo traveling, but after some time, you actually choose it as a preference. Actually, most of the time I have trips planned and I've planned that I'm going by myself, even though I've got months ahead to prepare and maybe invite someone to go with. I actually want to do it alone because I'm sure you hear about it from other people who solo travel. They say that there's just something that you experience there that's very freeing. You become very comfortable with yourself and you start to enjoy like your own company and you start to enjoy like the peace of just going out there. And you also start to build in confidence and like your self-confidence you just feel so proud of yourself for like planning this trip going out there by yourself navigating meeting new people it just fulfills a part of you that you don't get through other types of travel so I really do think that as a first step for someone who's considering going solo traveling make sure that you have researched 
what are the things that are misconceptions and also how can you deal with the things that you are afraid of? I think one of your fears, you said it's not actually so easy to just spark a conversation with a stranger, right? <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, only when I've had like two shots of tequila in me, I get very chatty, but it's something I really want to work on. So that is why I think about a solo trip as something that I want to push myself to do because it won't give me the comforts of knowing that I'm in a place that I could possibly know people. I really love that tip around going to a place that you've been there before because it does eliminate some of the concerns around where am I going to eat, how am I going to get around, just basic things that, strangely enough, when I'm in a group travel context, just really excite me to research and look into while I'm planning that trip. But I think that's a very good and solid piece of advice. And I think also another helpful tip for just sparking conversation is just to think about the fact that when you meet somebody new, there's so much you guys don't know about each other, right? And that helps with conversation because you can just ask questions, just ask questions about a person. People generally like talking about themselves. <laughs> Another thing that helps is joining group tours. So that means, for example, if you are in Joburg and you solo traveling Joburg, instead of going to Soweto by yourself, for example, you could join a group tour that's taking a group of people there. And then you have now the company of the tour guide who you can, you know, bond with. <laughs> that can be your friend as well. And you also have the company of the other travelers who are joining the tour. And those people you, you are easier to connect with because you guys have both, you both share the same interest in that you're both interested in going on this tour. So you already have that in common to speak on. Yeah, and that's also an easy an easier way of finding people to to connect with. So now that we're talking about groups, um, we might as well just talk a little bit about group travel. You organize group travel for women, um, and the next one is in Zanzibar, right? My question is, do you ever feel the pressure to be the life of the party, the person setting the tone, making sure that everybody's always having a good time when you organize these trips? I think something that I that's really works well for group travel is that everyone's in a pretty good mood because you could consider the fact that people are have been waiting for this trip to happen. They've been counting down to go on this trip that they signed up for. They are in Zanzibar or Mauritius, which is like amazing. Both of those destinations, easy sell because they're so beautiful. So they're really hyped up and happy. So I think I'm really lucky in that sense that I've got people in really great moods. And I think the other thing that really helps is the fact that I genuinely love those destinations as well. And I'll, I'll be so pumped up because I always get this like secondhand excitement for other people to experience things that I know that I enjoy. And I think that's what it's, that's what it's been in terms of the content creation for me around South Africa as well. So I'm going a bit off, but it, it, it all comes together in that when I'm posting about a place that I've been to in Limpopo, like I'm so excited about it because I really enjoyed it. And I'm so excited for somebody else to see it and go and enjoy it as well. And so when I'm taking people to Zanzibar and Mauritius, like I'm already hyped up because I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't wait for them to see where we're staying. Or, oh my gosh, I can't wait. We want to go to the beach tomorrow and it's going to be beautiful. Or we're going on a sunset cruise. And I already know that experience is incredible. So I'm like pumped up already because I'm excited for them to see it. It hasn't ever really been. That's not something that I worry about. The only thing I worry about is the weather, really. <laughs> Please can it not rain. Yeah, if hosting the trips is something that I, I just, I don't know. I have fun with it. I have fun with it. I think you, it's important to just set realistic expectations so you just tell people what to expect from the don't oversell what to expect from an experience you tell them okay 
we're going to go on a boat. It's this kind of boat. The cruise is this long. We're going to get served to this on the boat. So people already know what's waiting for them. And I also, I care a lot. So I put a lot of effort and time into planning my trips and planning my itineraries. And I only put in activities and experiences and accommodation and flights that I genuinely feel confident about somebody else experiencing in my name. I guess I put the pressure on myself in the planning, which is why I went to Zanzibar to make sure like everything's right, because I don't want people to come and not be happy. But while the trip is happening, it's a great time. Like I, I enjoy it. So currently you plan these trips and then you also attend them. Um, my question is, from a business perspective, is this always going to be the approach? Are you always going to be part of the USP? Or is there some sort of growth and expansion plan that does not necessitate you having to be on every trip? Yeah, no, definitely make a good point. Like I'm limited by, if I continue with this model, I'm limited by my availability to put out trips because I, I would then need to be there. I definitely have thought about that. And I put out, I have a group travel waiting list. So everybody who's like interested in group travel gets notified about what I'm doing next. And the thing that I put out to them was that I plan people's group trips without me going. So if you aren't on my group trip to Zanzibar, but you have a group of friends already that wants to go there, I can sell you the package, but it would be an unhosted trip. So I'm playing with that idea of hosting people's trips for them. The other thing that I, I have considered is having somebody else host. I'm having trouble with it, but it's just a personal thing, <laughs> really, where that means that I would need to, you know, trust somebody else to go for me. Yeah. But I think I, in, in terms of GoFari needing to, that's what I would need to do. I would need to let other people host some of my trips. Or the other thing I could do was just have the ones hosted by me as something very exclusive and premium and then offer unhosted trips for the rest. So it's going to be either of those two. But I'm definitely doing unhosted, but I'm not sure yet about having other people hosting mine. Yeah. That's where I'm at the moment. Okay, so I always actually did wonder because um, at this point, the brand is so linked to you. The USP, like I said, is so linked to you. People want to maybe be on these trips with you on it. Uh, but like you said, you are testing out the non-hosted version where you basically put together trips for groups of women or friends and you're not in attendance. And then you'll be able to see whether or not from a business model perspective that works or not. Okay, cool. Two more questions from me. Uh, number one, how often are you actually home? Most of the time. <laughs> I'm actually most of the time at home. Let me just, if I'm looking at my calendar, for example, last month, I went on... Let me see. I think I, on average, I do two trips per month. Yeah. yeah, I just have a really crazy like image and video bank <laughs> yeah. that I always just draw from. And I also post a trip over a long time. So Fari, last question. If you were looking at the younger version of yourself who's just finished studying um, her chemical engineering degree, you guys are sitting opposite each other, and she's about to embark on this life thing, what would you say to her? What advice would you give her? Yeah, I think I'm really thankful for the way that everything has worked out because it's almost like puzzle pieces that just had to fit in the way that they did for me to realize certain things and to be where I'm at. So everything like engineering, Cape Town, Joburg, Secunda, all of it like makes sense now, right? In the moment, I couldn't see it, but now it makes sense. But I think like something that I do, I, I offer, if someone DMs me and says that they want to be a content creator, I do offer like coaching calls for them. And something that I always say to them was that I, you don't have to like wait how I have in terms of 
like this journey that I've been on with GoFari has been really stretched out, right? I think I could have been further with my group travel growth if I had a business mindset from the moment I started it. Because like I said to you, I started it with as a hobby, like just for fun, like with no plans of starting a business. But if somebody knows that's what they want to do, they don't have to wait a year or two years or three years before they start applying a business model to their content. You can actually do that from the very beginning. I think also it would have been awesome if I had realized that I like social media and this digital space sooner because then I could have started GoFari before. All of those things, I guess like when you look back, you just always think, hey, what if I'd started um, my Instagram account earlier or if I'd started my TikTok account earlier? That's the only thing really because I think everything else had to happen. I'm, I'm, I'm really thankful for everything, all the experiences I've had. Studying ChemEng, I don't regret that. The work experience I had, where I was placed, everything, like I said, is part of the journey. And yeah, the skills that I got from that space are still relevant to me now. And I'm still definitely using them and going to use them. Yeah, I think maybe some encouragement I would have given myself is that to just not be afraid of the future. Because I think like, when I did move to Secunda, I was so scared. Like, I was like, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? I was, I felt very over, like, by that move. And, yeah, I, I think that right now I'm just really not afraid. I'm just not afraid. I think knowing that I was able to be an engineer and I know that I could have done it and stayed, that's really helped me in terms of my confidence. And also knowing that I gave it up and that I'm fine. That's helped me with my confidence and my fear. I'm just not afraid of life. I'm not afraid of trying things. And I think if I could have whispered that in my ear to say, don't be scared, like it's okay, everything's fine. That's definitely would have helped me. I really, really love that because it is just honestly about embracing the full journey, being present. Thank you so much for your time today, Fari. I really enjoyed our conversation and that's actually the perfect way for me to wrap up this interview. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for sharing your tips on solo travel and thank you for inspiring me to actually go on a solo travel trip. I really enjoy these experiences because it's almost like it's like a, ref a reflective process for me as well. When you're asking me questions and I get to just think about things and think about why I think certain things and why things are certain ways. So I really appreciate it. And yeah, I'm just really thankful. Thank you so much for this. Thank you so much for joining me in this episode of the Travel Girl Boss podcast. Please make sure to follow us on Instagram. That's at Travel Girl Boss podcast. And um, please like, subscribe, leave a review and make sure to tune in next week wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you then.